From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, Mike Lieberman here for What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm joined with my longtime friend and partner, Eric Kalis. This is our last show before the end of the year. I like to refer to this as the Christmas show. So ho, ho, ho. Today, we're going to be talking about how you're not using enough video in your marketing sales and customer service execution. So don't forget, check out these shows on YouTube. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube. Please like us. Uh, or rate us. You can get, if you're into podcasting, you can get the show on all your favorite podcast platforms. Go check them out there. iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and more. We are also, the every single episode is available on the Square Two Marketing website. At the bottom of the page, click on the What's Wrong With Revenue link, and you'll get access to all the shows. And you can submit questions, and you can get notifications of upcoming shows as well. So appreciate all the support. Thank you very much. Let's get into it. Eric, I know you've heard me say this before, but 65% of people surveyed identify themselves as visual learners. That means they'd really rather watch than read. Yet as marketers and even as salespeople, we just crank out written content, white papers, eBooks, emails, websites with tons of copy. There's a little bit of a misalignment, I think, there that we're going to talk about today. You guys might not know this, but YouTube is the second most popular search engine. That's right. Behind you, Google, it's not Bing or Yahoo, it's YouTube. People are going to YouTube and they're putting in things that they're looking for and they're looking to watch videos. So your prospects, your customers, they wanna watch videos. If you're not producing at least one video a month, you're probably falling behind. And if your competitors ever figure this out, you're gonna be way behind. Not to mention that videos prominently used in sales and customer service to help close prospects faster and to help customers get what they need in a more efficient and productive way. Video on top of all this, folks, is how you're gonna scale your content marketing program in 2022. So we're gonna cover a lot today. We're gonna to talk about how easy it is to produce video from your iPhone. We're gonna talk about some examples of where videos fit in. We're gonna talk about how to scale video instead of written content, where to use video, and how to handle the post-production part of video because that's usually what people get most hung up on Today, that's easy as well. And Eric, I'm sure you'll be happy to know we have a ton of questions that have been submitted that we'll be handling as many of them as we possibly can. So anything you want to contribute to this conversation as we kick it off here? Last show of uh, 2022? I mean, wait, 2021? Last show of 2021? No, I think your comments on video are poignant. I also think that I hope in today's episode, we change some people's opinion about how to use video so that they could position themselves better next year. Sounds like a great idea. So let's just deal with the elephant in the room. If you're thinking about video like you did five years ago, then you're probably thinking about needing 
a bunch of guys or people who come to your office with their cameras and their lighting and their sound and they spend half a day or a day setting up and shooting video and various areas of the office, or they might go to your customer's office with their equipment and do the same thing. And you're probably looking at, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a half day shoot back when we did this was maybe like $5,000 and a whole day shoot was maybe like $8,000. It was really expensive. And then you ended up with one nice three minute corporate produced video that you, I don't even know what you did with it. You put it on your website, maybe you shared it with some people. But it really wasn't the kind of video that drives marketing results, sales results, and customer service results. And I think part of the problem was the production aspect of it. It was a big lift and it was expensive. And a lot of people felt like maybe it wasn't necessary. Today, it's just so much different. Pull your iPhone out. Pull your Android phone out. You have a high-definition video camera right there in your pocket. And the production process is nothing like what it used to be. Let me give you a quick example of how we have been shooting really high-end client testimonial videos with an iPhone and a remote video kit that we ship to clients. And by the way, the cost of the equipment, not including your phone, might be 90, $99, under $100 for the cost of the equipment. So I'll explain to you what's in that kit. A ring light, which you guys have seen, uh, it's a round light that plugs into your computer and lights up faces and, and, and general areas like Eric and I are lit up now. I think Eric, are you using a ring light? Two. Two ring lights. Great. Um, there are actually quite a variety of similar lights. I have a little rectangular light here that is plugged into my computer. At home, I have a round kind of panel light that does exactly the same thing as the ring light. I think a ring light retails for maybe $19.99, $29.99, nothing more than that. Because audio is so important, we do send out a lav mic, a, a little mic that attaches to your collar here that, that is awesome at collecting uh, audio. Audio is very important to your videos. If people can't hear you, then your video is, is more or less worthless. So we do send out an audio mic and we send a couple tripods, one for the ring light, one for the uh, phone, and uh, some instructions for the client. And we also send them a green screen. And we really send them the green screen, probably not something we absolutely have to do, but the green screen does give us a little more flexibility in terms of what we wanna do with the video. So if you check some of these videos out on our website, you'll notice that they're color coded to our brand and to some of the other elements of the site, the, the page that the video is going to be on. It just gives our team a little more flexibility in terms of the background. You don't need the green screen. You know, the, the background that Eric's using here is perfectly fine. The background that I'm using here is perfectly fine. Um, you can even do the blurry background, which a lot of people have liked. As long as the camera can support that, you're, you're, you're good to go there too. But um, again, very inexpensive. Those green screens are probably less than $100 too you know, all in for shipping, you might be looking at another 50 bucks. So for less than $200, you can send out all the equipment you need to collect all the video you need. And when you have a uh, cooperative client, if you spend an hour with them, you could potentially end up with multiple videos. I mean, we're talking about videos that are generally less than three minutes. If you had a client sit with you and you ask them questions and you talk to them about things that are going on in their business and you got them talking about their business, or you had a client of theirs that you were also interviewing, you can literally create enough content in an hour 
to probably create six or seven short videos on your own. So low cost, easy to do. I can go into some of the details about some of the production and post-production uh, tools that we use as well. But my point is today it is way easier to produce these videos and something that should not be holding you down. Cost and technical expertise is not something that should be impediment to you thinking about how you want to use video going forward. Anything you want to add? No, I think that's a great description. I was taking notes. I'm going to start my own video uh, program uh, this afternoon. I mean, I, I, you know, it might see I'm, 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 I'm standing in the shoes of our listener and I'm like, could this be true? 90 bucks and I can make these great videos. That's actually truthful. And I, I, the reticence that we're referring to is often found when we're talking to prospective and current clients. They assume, oh, no, they're going to hit me for a $12,000 video uh, shoot. It's really not true. It's very guerrilla. And I think people's perceptions, and I mean the watchers of the videos, their perception is, oh, that's a cute little video. I don't care that it's not like, you know, a drone flying over my factory for the big corporate video. It's like in two and a half minutes, they gave me a great piece of information that I could use on my journey, whatever that journey might be. Yeah, great point. Great point. Um, also, the, the phones now have apps that you can download that allow you to basically direct the shoot remotely from the app. So when we do this with clients, the creative director is on the, the call with the client, asking them questions and handling the interview. We've scripted it out in advance. And we've shared that with the client in advance. So they know what we're gonna ask. We generally ask the question a couple of times in a row. They're a little nervous for the first answer. The second answer gets a little bit better. The third answer is spot on. And we have three really good takes of a single question that we can use in the editing process to create a really great snippet there that can be used in a variety of different things. So there are a couple of secrets there that, you know, video people use in terms of how to get good footage from clients also. And we've seen this before. Not everybody's as good as Eric on video. Some people are a little nervous. Some people are a little soft-spoken. Some people are a little shy. So you have to get them comfortable. You have to kind of get them out of their shell. One of the tricks there is we ask them personal questions, you know, what'd you do over the weekend? And once they start talking, they get a little more comfortable with the equipment and the light. And, you know, we might, you know, even when we're asking them the business question a couple of times, by the third time they're answering it, it's a very comfortable conversation and generally something that can be used to produce the video that we're, we're, we're trying to produce for them. So um, there's multiple people on the call. The, uh, the, the uh, directing is done remotely. As soon as the, the subject is done, the app actually puts the footage in a central location and post-production editors can pick it up and start the process. And it's how we're able to turn around a video like this in just a couple of days. After the shoot, our team needs, you know, probably three to five business days to handle all the intros and outros and editing and send it back for someone to look at it and make sure there's not, you know, additional edits that need to be done. Final copy is done and approved and it's all good to go in just a couple of days. Um, again, the idea of you know sending people out and and uh, taking you know days and days and days of post production is just not how it works anymore. You can add music, you can have a call to action, you can use closed captions, which I would highly recommend. There's a lot of data that people watch videos uh, on their phones with the sound off, and that means that if you're not putting closed captions in your video, then people might be missing your message. So there's a ton of ways to do that. YouTube will actually close caption your videos for you. If you're okay with a couple of ums and some stutters in there, which you probably shouldn't worry about, 
YouTube will take care of it for you. If you want something a little more polished with some graphics behind it, if you notice that captions on these shows that Eric and I do, they're done in post-production with some uh, editing tools just to clean them up a little bit and make them stand out a bit, to scroll them properly. Um, again, not, not particularly difficult to do. You just have to decide how you want to handle that. So that's kind of the production and the planning part of video. Again, I want everyone to make sure that they take away that it's not that difficult to do. Anybody can do it. And in fact, if you tried it once or twice, I'm pretty sure by the third video, you'd feel like you're a pro at it as well. Let's talk a little bit about what we might do with these videos. So Eric, why don't you start with the sales process? How do you find, and by the way, Eric, just for point of reference, I've had a couple people uh, in their, in their uh, co uh, question submissions, ask us to provide some sales-related video ideas that are not the reference reel. So I know we love the reference reel and we talk about the reference reel a lot, but in your answer to the question, um, what other uh, places can we use video in the sales process that is not the reference reel? Well, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity in the sales process to use video. Let's step back for a little bit and talk about what does a sales process feel like? And I'll just use some basic steps, discovery, diagnostic, and then recommendations. Okay, so let's use those three steps. In discovery, you're having that initial meeting with someone to decide whether or not they're a good fit, right? Call it 30 minutes, 60 minutes. The prospect tells you what their issues are. You tell them what your company does and you decide together if it's a good fit. So a video prior to the discovery call might set their expectations on what the process looks like. Hi, I'm Eric from Square Two. In the next two minutes, I wanna give you a high overview of what the sales process is that you're about to go through with our team. First, we're gonna do this, then we're gonna do that, then we're gonna do this. The time between each one of these steps is two days, just to set your expectations about what's going on. The reason we do this is because we wanna make sure we understand your goals and objectives so we can build the perfect program for you. In that short period of time, they have now listened quickly to the sales process. You've set expectations and you blew them away because you have a video that kind of sets their expectation. Now, we happen to use that at Square Two. It's a written piece, just a one pager. Here are the five steps to our sales process that you should uh, be aware of. But converting that to a video, I actually might do that after our session today, Mike. That's how easy it is. So there's a good example of like setting expectations and educating clients. Now, let's say that you do the discovery call and the prospect and your company decides it's a good enough fit that they should move forward. That's another opportunity for a video. Hey, Charlie, and now this is a personal video, by the way. Hey, Charlie, it's Eric. Loved our meeting together today. Just to make sure I reiterate what we talked about on our call, you wanted this and I was gonna provide that and we're gonna get together in at least two days and talk about the next step. That's a really nice personalized touch that when the prospective client sees that, they're like, look at the effort that these people are putting forth to win my business. Meanwhile, all you did is fire up a Zoom, hit the record button and wait six minutes until it comes back from Zoom and send it to your prospect. So there's another opportunity to use video, which is to wrap up and, and kind of memorialize the things that you spoke about. Now, the reference reel for us comes after the next meeting, which is diagnostic, because after that, they're like excited. They're like, oh, we told them everything we wanted. They brainstorm with us. They're going to come back with some recommendations. Well, wait a minute. Now I'm going to have to start committing to something. Oh, look, here's a video with other people saying it's okay to move forward. Now, a second video that we use in that spot is a video from our team. And that's kind of nice because everybody also is concerned about who is the team that's going to be working on my account. 
all we're doing, Mike, is we're kind of thinking ahead to the challenges that might occur in the sales process and quickly extinguishing those problems by giving them a video to answer that question or address that concern. Now, could you go all video in your sales process? Of course you can. But I'm kind of thinking that a mix between some emails and some attachments and some videos is a nice blend of media that you can use to kind of well or round out your communication. Now, look, we're a marketing company also. So there's also a component for us about modeling what we're doing so we could show people. So we have to have a really tight sales process because we help other people with their sales processes. And that's important to do also is to kind of like be on your best, put your best foot forward in a sales situation by creating custom videos and things that will answer their questions and so forth. So that's all I'm saying. Um, how many times have you dealt with a company and they promise to get back to you by Tuesday and they never do and they promise to send this information, which they never do? That's a problem with a tight sales process and those videos all teed up, ready to go on templates that all it takes is a click of a button to send. You can be head and shoulders above the competition because you have a tight process. Yeah, those are some really good examples. You talked about Zoom, which is an actually an excellent platform for doing videos. You don't even need a camera or any fancy equipment, you can just turn on the Zoom, do the recording, uh, attach it to the email, and off you go. There are other tools like Vidyard and Wistia that will actually embed the video in your emails. So you don't even have to hop on Zoom while you're writing the email to your prospect. You just fire up the embedded video link, record the video, and it lands right in the email, off you go. So if you're thinking about sending someone a long email, it might be good to include a video along with it just to help them get through it and help them, as Eric said, help you stand out a little bit in the sales process. So I think you, there are almost unlimited uses for video in the sales process. It's going to help your prospects get to know, like, and trust you. If they can see you and you're talking to them, they're going to feel better about working with you than if they're just reading your emails and they're not getting to know you at all. I mean, the video is a much more personal interaction and from a sales perspective, those are important. I think people have to uh, like who they're going to work with in order to say yes at the end of the sales process. And video makes it a much more personal process. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I could give you a quick example. Uh, we're changing our IT providers. I got an email with a video that says, hey, Eric, it's Ashley, who happens to be our person. Just wanted to take a second and record this video and shoot it over to you because I'm going to explain how our process works. And it's nicer if I show you via video. I'm like, of course, I want to know how it works. In three minutes, she had explained the whole thing. And basically what she did is she fired up a Zoom, shared her screen with herself, put up our diagram of what our um, design of our program is going to be, talk through it, use her pointer, and then close the um, Zoom. And it was perfect. Was it Hollywood production? No. Was it everything I needed to feel safe that I chose the right company? Yes. Yeah. I don't think people are really looking for Hollywood productions anymore. I think they're looking for more authentic. Well, I think if you're an enterprise concern and you're having a shaky video where someone's sitting in their car, that's probably not a good match to their voice and tone. But if you're like, um, hey, Charlie, it's Eric. Sorry about the car. I'm picking up my kids, but I just wanted to let you know that I researched that area you asked me. And here are the three things that I found. Let's uh, jump on a call tomorrow to talk about it. That's a cool video. And the fact that it's so authentic that he's working on it while managing his child pickup duties even gives him a little credit, like this person really cares about me. Now, I'm not sure that's the voice and tone for everybody. If I'm a, um, uh, a wealth management company, I don't want to see them doing videos from their car. I want them in the office with the walnut 
uh, bookcase in the back. And it feels very like that. But if I'm like an engineering firm and I'm on the go all the time and I'm working on projects, you know, then I think that it's a good match. So I think if you set your strategic voice and tone, you could then use that as the parameters from which you could either do videos or not. Hey, would this be a fit our voice and tone? Yes, let's do the video. If not, maybe we have to bring in a videographer. Your opening comments about that expensive old school video were 100% accurate, but that doesn't mean that there's still not a place for that. If you're a $100 million company and you're pitching a $20 million account and it could be like make your whole year, then maybe investing, investing five grand in a videographer to have the team interview that's going to be working on the account, that little extra effort might go a long way. So once again, strategy before tactics. Yeah, I've seen a lot less of those car videos or the people in the baseball hat walking by the beach or in the forest. I feel like that was something that was popular maybe pre-pandemic. It seems like now people have settled into a little more professional perspective around video. I think partially because it's gotten a little bit easier. Well, um, people are uh, more comfortable too with all the different platforms. I'm going to push back on your word professional because a lot of people still have problems with what's in the background, framing, dogs barking, babies crying. If you're going to record a video for your prospect or client, just say, listen, I need 10 minutes to knock out this video. I need quiet or go somewhere or rent someone's podcast studio for 50 bucks for an hour or something like that. I think that there's a lot of like perception that, oh, just because I'm recording it on my computer, it could be all over the place. What you wear, is your hair done, right? Like those kinds of things are still important because we have the perception that we're trying to provide to our client. Don't think that they're not looking at that like weird thing on your bookcase behind you while they're watching your video. Even sometimes I wonder about this. I'm in my uh, uh, third bedroom, which is also my office. And I'm like, there's like two things coming out of the side of my head. Like, should I get rid of that picture? Like, I'm trying to think like, what will the prospect think when they see that? So I just want everybody to say, yeah, it's okay. Or maybe not walk in the forest or, you know, be in your bathing suit. But even if you're in your home office, I've seen people do videos from their hotel room and their bed isn't made and their suitcases on the bed. I'm like, just a little extra effort would like kind of take out those imperfections. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit. I know lately we've been doing some work with prospects and clients on some budgeting, right? So what do you think a company should plan for budgeting for video in 2022? That was one of the questions we got from Larry in North Carolina. Larry in North Carolina, I don't know the answer. But what I do know is that I can do some planning. So what do I mean by that? Let's talk about what videos I need next year. Well, I have a big trade show I'm going to, COVID permitting, and I want to promote that. Okay, I'm going to need at least three videos leading up to that show. Okay, write them down. I want to enhance my sales process in 2022. So I'm going to need at least three videos to supplement the sales process. Okay, write that down. And I know that I need some kind of setup to bring my sales team game to the next level. So I wanna spend some money on video equipment for those people, some ring lights and some lavalier mics, as you mentioned earlier. Let's put down $2,000 for that or well. Okay, great. Well, in there, I didn't have any expensive corporate videos, but I don't have video in-house, nor do I have the patience to learn about all the things you said, Mike. So you know what? I'm gonna try to get bids on someone who's gonna provide me with 10 videos in 2022 that I'll come in, facilitate and do the post-production. That's what I would do is start from what do I need the videos? Not like, what should I budget for video and then figure out what to do with the videos. So I think that's a good way to start the conversation. Now also, 
there might be some mixes in there. Yeah, we talk about the reference reel and we talk about the reference reel all the time because it one, uh, 98% eliminated the need for clients to call references, which was a huge point of friction in our sales process. So maybe I have a whole bunch of videos leading up to my trade show, but I'm also spending a little time to do a reference reel by having my clients send in the videos and a real video editor stitching that together in a professional like a reference reel. So once you get it all out on the table and everything you could possibly think of that you can need, then you could start working backwards into the budget. Okay, these three videos, I'm definitely having the videographer do because I want to put my best foot forward at my conference. But these other ones with my sales team, we're going to do those in-house on our iPhones. And then I just have to pay someone to edit it. Or, uh, okay, I'm going to do those videos, but I'm going to find a contractor who does editing. And I'm going to say to them, I'm going to need you for at least 30 hours in 2022, uh, in uh, 15 hours in February and 15 hours in September. So as you start to look at the year, what your video needs will be, you can back up into the shopping list, then segment the shopping list into who does what, and then you can pretty much budget down to the penny from that point. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, that's a lot of good recommendations there. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, video provides a lot of opportunity to scale a content strategy, actually much easier than the old school written content strategy. You can get many more pieces of content out of video than you can out of stuff that you write. Now, I'm not, I'm in no way suggesting that the written stuff isn't important. You, you need written, you need written content just as much as you need video content. But if you're going to write something, let's just take an ebook, for example, and it's going to be 20 pages. You got to write it. You got to design it. You got to make sure it's SEO optimized. You got to, uh, Put it on your website. It's going to need a page. It's going to need a landing page. It's going to need a CTA. It's going to need a confirmation page. It's going to need some nurturing to go along with it for the people that download it. Even if you ungate it, it needs most of those assets anyway. You know, you're probably looking at all in maybe a couple thousand dollars to do that writing, design, website work, you know, technical set up for, for your website and you really you only have one asset like it's it now you can use it in an email campaign you could use it on your website sales can talk about it so there's lots of things you can do with it but it's still only one asset and you know if you translate those at the that investment into hours it's probably 20 hours of work or so for for all that stuff to get that done and that's a pretty gross generalization but i'm going to make a point here in a second if you're talking about a video, you can spend an hour doing a video and have a piece of content that you can put on your website, put in email, uh, that you can use in sales, that you can then cut up and have it used for social media promotion, uh, cut up and used in email campaigns. There's, there's a number of assets that go with it when you slice it, up, slice it down into more bite-sized chunks. Um, the, the cost to do that cutting up is, you know, again, it's a couple of hours for a post-production editor to cut it up with some direction for you. So you have a lot less time and a lot less money to get a lot more content out of it. So I think when you're starting to plan 2022 or you're in the middle of planning 2022 now and you're thinking about content and you're, you're trying to weave video into it, recognize what you're going to get out of your investment in video versus what you're going to get out of your investment in, in written and design content. And again, I'm not saying you don't need the other stuff you absolutely do, but I think to Eric's point, if you look at your personas and they are 
going to be consumers of, of video content, I would lean into that video content just as much as maybe you previously leaned into that written content over the past couple of years and make sure there's a nice mix of both um, to, to gain some efficiencies in that content strategy plan that I just you know, outlined real briefly for you. Any comments, Eric? No, I think that's great. I, I wanna make sure that I make one point though, Mike, uh, strategically, persona, right? The person that you're targeting for your marketing. It's important when you understand your persona also, what way they're going to receive, they like to receive their content. For example, if I'm pitching to sales managers, they're all over video, like to watch TV, they're on the go, they're looking at it on their phone. If I'm selling to engineers, then maybe not as much video and more written things, maybe more charts and graphs, because I know that that's the way they like to consume their content. So I don't want anybody to get the impression on our live cast today that it's either video or nothing. It's really like really thinking through the strategy on how to use video to what group. Now, I could also have two separate markets. I could have that same ebook that I send to all my wholesalers. And then I simply read that ebook on a video format that I send to uh, consumers, right? So now I can repurpose that, but I'm delivering it in the format that is best suited for them. Yeah, that's a really good point. And just to elaborate on that, I want to talk a little bit about personalization and one-to-one -one and one-to-few. And, and this should be interesting to more of the marketers, but you know, marketers tend to like one-to-many campaigns. Let's send one thing out to as many people as possible. And that makes sense. It's easy. It's scalable. It's highly efficient. You're, you're touching a lot of people. With, with, with a little bit of effort and, and hoping that that uh, effort produces enough results to make it a, a successful campaign. But today, people are getting a lot more used to and, and really looking for a lot more personalized content. So what I mean by that is, I would seriously consider in 2022 doing more one to few campaigns. And to Eric's point, you might have a, an idea for a video that you have to record three or four times because you're tailoring it to a specific industry or you're tailoring it to a specific job title that you're going after, or you're tailoring it to a specific pain that they're dealing with. And, and again, once you start thinking like that and you have this asset library of videos that are very personalized and highly targeted, that's going to give you a lot better results when you start sending that kind of content out or you start using that kind of content on your website then the idea of the one video or the one ebook too, it works the same thing with, with um, written content. The more you personalize it down, the better it's going to perform. Uh, and that does take some extra effort for sure, but I think it's worth the effort. You're going to do a lot better with your campaigns. You're, you're going to generate a lot more leads. You're going to have a lot more success with those leads that you generate if you can create content at that, at that level. Definitely. I mean, any of us would respond, and we do, we respond more to uh, outreach that is, personalized for us, as opposed to the general outreach that we're all pretty much annoyed with and tend to delete pretty quickly. And the same, this is actually for uh, related to a question. One of the questions was, what about leveraging all the video you create on your website? Should it be on separate pages or in the resources section? This is why, this is what got me thinking about this point. If you've done your website correctly, then you have website pages that are specifically designed for different people at different stages of the buyer journey. So you're going to have a page for, you know, your manufacturing uh, um, operations manager who's visiting that page who should have videos and 
print written content that are directly related to operation managers at manufacturers, maybe even specific issues that they're dealing with. You're going to want it to be that specific. When you get down to people who are um, have already decided that they want to hire a company like yours, and maybe they're in more of the consideration stage of their buyer journey, and they're comparing companies like yours, so they already know they have an issue, they already know they want it fixed, they already know they want to hire someone, and they're trying to decide who to hire, that's a whole separate page with a whole separate story with a whole separate set of content that you're going to need to create to deal with that specific issue. You know, this gets back to the buyer journey and understanding it and understanding where people are in that buyer journey and creating the right content for the right stage of that buyer journey and making sure it gets delivered at the right time. And when it comes to the website, that's a lot of self-service. You can't really control what people go to what pages on your website, but if you have the right page, it'll attract the right person. And if you have the right content on that page, it should get them to convert and want to slide into your sales process without much friction. Agreed. Excellent. So let's do a couple more questions here. So uh, what haven't we talked about yet? Uh, turnaround, we talked about that. Videos across your campaigns. We talked about that software. We talked a little bit about that. I don't think we need to go into like, that. While anymore. you're searching, let me make a comment about those. Sure, that'd be great. I'm thinking about. You know, if you're on a page about one of your service offerings and you're attracting the um, um, manufacturing operations manager to that page, as a simple example, there's nothing wrong with having a video on that page that is uh, basically a video version of a free report. Uh, if I'm on the market, if the manufacturing operations services page, there's nothing wrong with having a video titled four mistakes people make with market marketing uh, with marketing with manufacturing operations. When I click on that, hi, I'm Eric from Manufacturing Software Incorporated. Uh, while we're together, I just wanted to give you tips on three things that might bite you in the butt but that are uh, running your manufacturing facility. One, don't do this. Two, don't do that. Three, don't do that. For more information like this, please feel free to reach out. We'd love to help you on your journey to pick the right product. That little video is such a great add-on to a page. A couple of different reasons. One, search engine optimization. Two, time on site. Three, how long people are on that page, how many pages they watch. And if I did a video like that on every page, now the visitor to that website is like, this website's chock full of videos. I get all my uh, uh, questions answered. This is great. And it didn't cost you a dime. Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, there's a question here from Suzanne on metrics that I want to get to next. But you kind of uh, made a nice bridge into that. You know, Google, the signals that Google is looking for to SEO optimize a page on your website, video does a, checks a lot of boxes. It, it obviously gets them to click, which they're looking for people who land on your pages to click. That's a signal that they found what they were looking for. It does keep them on the site longer, which shows uh, Google that the page has value. And it does uh, decrease the bounce rate. If they're not heading off to another site, then that also signals Google that the, the page is, is a high-performing page. So, And by the way, if you're posting those same videos on YouTube and you're tagging them properly, I am sure Google is looking at that as well because obviously they own the whole uh, enchilada. So if it's working on YouTube, it's obviously going to send some signals over to Google for ranking purposes. So there's a lot of SEO juice associated with video that you can um, use to leverage your pages and improve your rankings for sure. So that's a really good point. 
to lean into the other metrics, which is an, also a good point. A lot of people might look at, well, a hundred people viewed my video and it, you know, that sounds good, but you really have to dig into that a little bit. It, if they're not staying for the course of that video, then the video didn't really deliver its intentions, right? If you have a three minute video and people hop on and tune out after 10 seconds, you didn't get your point across. You, you weren't able to deliver the story that you were trying to deliver. So besides looking at views, which is certainly good, you also wanna look at how long people are staying on those videos and are they staying to the end? And one of the things you can also do is add a CTA at the end of the video, some type of call to action that you want your watchers to take when the video is over. It could be visit a page, it could be watch another video, it could be subscribe for future videos. There's lots of things that you could intentionally ask them to do, action you could ask them to take, which would not only be an indicator that they watched the entire video and converted at the end, which is really, that is the home run of video right there, but that you told them a compelling story and it was interesting enough for them to stick around for sure. Good point. They're they're, they're, you know, those are probably just some of the basic metrics that you could start to think about. Um, I got another question here, which is really more of a topic area, Eric, and it has to do with customer service. So how do you think uh, our um, audience could use videos in the customer service area? It's a little, it's a little, it's not something we talk about frequently, but it's probably just as applicable, don't you think? Absolutely. There's a lot of uses for video in the customer service uh, experience as well. Start with just cross-sell. Hey, it's Mary, your favorite uh, customer service rep. I just wanted to let you know, since you've bought this product, we have now introduced this complimentary product. Let me show it to you. You see here, it's got three ports. It could be plugged in here. It only weighs about six pounds. If you're interested in just this product, why don't you hit me up on my email and we'll be more than happy to put together a quote for you. So there's a direct cross-sell opportunity, but with a visual product like I described, you know, here it is. Now, if you notice on Amazon, they not only have pictures now, but lots of products have little videos, which actually helps a lot. I can see it from 360 degrees. I see it in action. It just makes me feel more safe about my purchase. So number one, it could be a cross-sell. Number two, it could be an educational video. Hey, everybody, it's Mary from Customer Service again. Just wanted to let you know that a lot of customers have called us recently because they're confused about how, how to operate the X5000 vehicle. Let me show you real here that it's super easy. Shouldn't be a problem. Now, with that one video, they've now cut down on all these customer service complaint calls, actually. And I'm really happy. Like, oh, wait, I have the X2000 in my garage. Let me go check this out. That's a great tip on how to use it. I've been using it wrong. So once again, there's an education part. Third, uh, for cross-sell, I would love, love, love to build demand. Hey, everybody, it's Mary from Customer Service. Hope you're doing well this holiday season. Because you're one of my favorite clients, I just wanted to give you a sneak preview of the X6000 that's coming out on January 15th. We're not sending this to anybody just for our VIB customers. If you want one, let me know and I'll put your name on the waiting list. So once again, building a little demand and introducing a new product offering. By the way, Mary just knocked out three videos and now she's on her way to lunch. It's not a hard exercise and it's so personal. By the way, maybe lots of companies do business by phone. Well, here's a picture. There's Mary in action. I talk to her every day, but now I see her face. It becomes more personal relationship. And to be perfectly honest, the competitors aren't putting out those videos. So they're head and tails above the competition. Yeah, those are all good. I also, 
customer service answers a lot of questions. Lots of times they they end up uh, as the central clearinghouse for people that have questions. It could be questions about the product, it could be questions about shipping or billing or, or whatever, but they tend to deal with those questions a lot. And a lot of them have FAQ sections that they've created on their website or, or knowledge base resources that they have access to so that when someone does call in, they can take a look at what the company's approved answer is to these specific questions. They, I'm sure they all get a lot of the same questions over and over again. But by starting to think about those questions from a video perspective, they can put those videos on their website. They can serve those videos up to customers. They can even serve them up proactively. And if they're a little bit smart about when they're getting questions and what those questions are, they might even be able to create a bit of an email campaign to customers that circumvent the question altogether. For instance, if recently I built a Weber grill, I only mention that because I'm not very handy and I was very concerned about having to build the grill myself. In fact, I had a backup plan ready to go before I even started building it. And that was, I would just get my son to help me because he's much handier than I am. But I got the grill and I decided to tackle it. Wouldn't it have been great if, look, they knew when it got delivered because it was delivered, you know, by some, I don't think it was FedEx, it was some shipping service. They knew exactly when I got it. I did get an email like your grill has been delivered. So they easily could have sent me a, a series of videos that afternoon that stepped me through each of the steps in the grill build process. Now, I'm not in any way criticizing this company because they did have an app that I could have downloaded, which I didn't. The instructions were incredibly easy to follow and I followed them and it actually worked out perfectly. But I would have probably been telling the story about the series of videos that I got at the same time that my grill was delivered to help me put this thing together. And it actually would have been a remarkable experience if I threw those videos up on my TV and there was someone talking to me and in a nice, slow and methodical way, walking me through the instructions that were in the instruction manual so I could then put those together. And they could have certainly referenced me to call this number if I have any questions. You know, they, 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 I'm sure there were secrets to that install that are not included in the instructions. Like, oh, if you put a little bit of Pam here, the cooking spray, the screw goes in super easy. Like that would just be such a nice little extra experience that they could have delivered via, via, via video. I'm going to disagree, Mike. You know why I'm going to disagree? Let's make it remarkable. On the side of the box that the Weber grill came in, there's a giant QR code. And it says, before you build anything, click here. You hit up the QR code and it takes you to a landing page with those same videos that you just referenced, right? But you know what's nestled around those videos? Did you buy a cover? Here's a cover for $49.99. Here's a set of Weber matching tools. It'll hang right on the hooks that come with your Weber. You could have actually turned those videos, even though instructional, into a cross-sell and upsell opportunity and used a QR code, which as we know now from COVID, everybody knows how to use because of the menus in the restaurants. So like, how hard would it be for us to brainstorm about how to, you know, provide the engagement with the instructions and not spend any money, right? It only would have been our, our IT team building another landing page to our website and then our e-commerce team putting a couple of products in there. It would have been so easy, but yet 
Companies don't think that way. Using video is such a powerful way, but I think they, that's probably six or seven down on the list. Like first we need the instruction manual, then we have some videos. Now let's talk about those videos, Mike. If I'm standing in the shoes of Mike Lieberman putting together that Weber, wouldn't the video be like this? All right, the next step is to screw these four things together. That should take you approximately three minutes. The video is now going to pause for three minutes and 15 seconds. You should be done. Now you're like, I don't have to hit stop or play or whatever. It's running. I'm doing it with the people, right? And all it would be would be like, hey, Charlie, go out back and put this grill together and let's stand in the shoes of the prospect and see how we can make it remarkable. So not to get into being remarkable or differentiation, which is one of our favorite topics, but video would have been the conduit to a remarkable experience. Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, I, I, I didn't download the app, right? So my point is that I probably would have thrown the box out without noticing the QR code. I probably wouldn't have clicked on the QR code I think what I'm suggesting is we want to serve it to them in as easy and frictionless way as possible. Like, why well, did I download the app, right? Do, do not build this unless you snap right. this QR code. Right. You would have right. done right. that. Right. At least also, well, maybe, maybe. Have you ever gotten one of those? Uh, that I got, a, I got my wife a few of these. Like, it's a box. And when you open it up, something happens. Like, butterflies fly out or a yes. balloon. Like, you've seen these, right? Yes. It says on the front of that box, get your phone out. Because they, they, they want to get catch the moment also. And all the times that I've done it, every single time, she's like, I'm not getting my phone out, right? Like there's, a, there's an, an energy that has to be exerted on the, uh, the part of the purchaser that still is a bit of an impediment to really creating that experience that they're trying to create. So, you know, I, I love your idea about the cross sell. That would be great. I love the idea about pausing it so that I can do the work and I don't have to stop it and start it. I even hate that about recipes when I'm constantly touching my phone and it's getting flour on it. Like, I just wish it would just play for me and, and pause long enough for me to do what they asked me to do. That, that would be amazing. And that would be remarkable for sure. I haven't seen anything like that. Well, that's a lot of good ideas on the customer service side. I don't know how anybody could feel like we didn't cover that in a uh, robust and deep way. Mike, could you put this video on hold? I have to send an invoice to Weber to tell them about our idea. Yeah, well, that'd be great if they contacted us. We're happy to try to help them as well. <laughs> Hashtag Weber Grills. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put that in the posts. Okay. Um, by the way, wonderful experience with them. And, and honestly, like me, the big measure of this was when I turned it on, did it actually work? I was so, my, my, the bar was so low. I really was not expecting it to work. Fired the thing up, worked perfectly the first time. So that to me was an indication that this was a, a well designed grill, easy to put together and easy for even someone like me to follow. So yeah, Great. shout out to Weber. Um, all right, so we covered all of our questions and we covered all of our content. I'm happy to wrap up uh, again, Christmas show. I know people are probably got some holiday shopping to do and some last minute work things they can do so they can take a couple of days off. Interestingly enough, you talked about Remarkable. That is the topic for episode 17. When we come back from our break, right after the new year, we're going to talk about what's wrong with revenue. You never created a remarkable business. If your business is the same as everybody else's, if your business is vanilla, if there's nothing interesting about your business, I don't care what you do from a marketing perspective. I don't care how many videos you create or what your website looks like. If your business isn't remarkable, you're really going to have a slog from a revenue perspective. So we're going to go deep into that. I know it's one of Eric's favorite topics. Probably after the sales process, this might be his second favorite topic. So we're going to cover that in depth when we get back from the holiday. 
Hey, Mike, and can we do some uh, live edge crafting with the audience? That'd be great. So um, edge crafting, if you don't know, is a Seth Godin term where we will literally work with you live on the show to make your business remarkable. So we ask you a couple of questions and then we give you some suggestions on what might be remarkable. Uh, we've done it lots of times live in sessions. It's actually a, a really great experience. It's fun for us and great for the companies that get edge crafted. Um, and by edge crafting, what we really specifically mean by that is we're going to challenge to push you all the way to the edge without going over. So it's going to be uncomfortable and it might be some things that you're going to say, like, there's no way we could possibly do that. We're going to encourage you to try a little harder and be a little more open to thinking a little differently about your business. The more remarkable it is, the faster revenue is going to grow. So if you have a business and you would like us to edge craft it, uh, email me, Mike at square2marketing.com. Just say you're interested. I'll reach out to you and get your details and make sure we have you on the show. Um, you could also submit that on the uh, What's Wrong With Revenue page on our website too in the question section. Just note that you want us to edgecraft your business and I will reach out to you too. Um, and you got a couple of weeks to do it since we won't be back uh, doing the show until um, the first week of January. Think about it if you're interested. We're happy to do it and I guarantee you'll get a lot out of it and it'll be fun for all the audience also. Anything you want to add, Eric? No, looking forward to it. I just want to wish all of our listeners and viewers out there, thanks for uh, joining us. We've gotten more and more momentum as each episode has unfolded, and we appreciate your support. Agreed. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Again, if you want the show emailed to you, all you have to do is go to our website and subscribe, and we will send you the show recordings after they're done. No problem at all. Like us on and rate us on all the podcast platforms. If you don't mind, rate us and like us on um, YouTube. Your feedback is important to us. We really appreciate it. And we know you guys have enjoyed the shows. Your feedback offline has been awesome. Thank you very much. And with that, I'll let you all go. Thanks for joining us. Have a really great holiday, a really great Christmas, and a really great New Year's. You've all earned it. I feel like we've all earned it this year. Uh, try to relax and spend some time with your friends and family. And have a happy holiday. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you after the new year. Ho, ho, ho. Bye-bye.